0: Triple Play Fantasy Spaceball show with D Mindy. Little Cheesecake and Doc starts now.
1: What's going on everybody? Welcome back to the Triple Play Fantasy channel. Or if you're listening on the podcast, welcome back to the podcast. We got a lot of stuff we gotta cover in a short amount of time. So not too much chatter from all of us, but you know if you can see on screen Little Cheesecake, the Doc. Marty Tallman, we need a nickname for you at some point because uh Everybody's got their nicknames on the screen here. But uh again, we've got a lot to cover, so we're going to hop right into it. As you guys saw in the thumbnail, we're going to be talking about just a bunch of the MLB free agents. MLB free agent frenzy, and it's unlike anything I've ever seen. Obviously, with the lockout on the horizon, I'm sure everybody's trying to sign with whatever team they're going to sign with. So right off the jump, we're going to start with the New York Mets and all the moves that they made, leading off with Max Scherzer who, as you can see, Max Scherzer's going to the Big Apple. The Mets signed Scherzer to a three-year $130 million deal. That $130 million guarantee will be distributed evenly all over three years at 43.3 mil. This is going to shatter Garrett Cole's $36 million annual value record here. And uh, Scherzer remains one of the most dominant pitchers in the game. Among the 129 pitchers with at least 100 innings in 2021, Scherzer ranked fourth in ERA, 10th in FIP, third in strikeout rate, and 11th in walk rate second in K-walk minus percentage, third in swinging strike rate. Obviously, he's just been defining the odds right now. So, Max Scherzer, is it somebody that uh, you're intrigued by going to the New York Mets?
0: So, his fantasy value stays the same, and you have him as a top 2-3 to three pitcher. Like he, he hasn't shown anything of falling off, and I'll say I was wrong about him last year. He's going back to the NL East, which he's very familiar with. Uh, he gets to face some poor offenses in Miami and Washington, uh, especially against his old team there. And 2020, he actually had some really encouraging stats. He had the lowest whip of his career, 0.864. It was 0.82 with the Dodgers, so even sharper the second half of the season, averaging almost 12 uh, Ks per nine innings. He had two wild pitches last year, tied for the lowest of his career. He had the lowest walks per nine for MLB pitchers that qualified. So Max Scherzer, I think you feel confident at least first year of the Mets that his fantasy value stays the same, but it will be interesting if he has the Mets curse.
1: Yeah, I mean, if we're talking about the Mets, uh, we're going to be sticking around for a while because they were not done. Mark Canna poorly agreed to a two-year, $26.5 million contract. The deal pending, obviously, the physical, contains a 2024 club option. Since the start of 2019, he owns a 249, 377, 438 line over 1,365 plate appearances. Obviously, he doesn't have an eye-catching batting average, but he's always been great at the dish in terms of walk rate, a 13.3%. Walk rate this season, the 14th highest rate among 159 players to have a thousand plate appearances last year. He's an on base machine. So I'm curious, Mark Cannon, man, he seems like he could be a great piece right now for the New York Mets.
2: Yeah. So, um, overall for me, his fantasy value is up. I mean, he did have the 17 home runs last year. He had the 12 stolen bases. His on base percentage is always super solid. They're going to need him. You know, the Mets are going to need somebody. And if I was Dominic Smith, you know, I'd be looking for uh, a new team or a new route or a new something because Can going to take all of his uh, all of his playing time.
1: Yeah, the Mets. I mean, him, JD Davis. Obviously, uh, there's a lot of guys there. They're going to be probably shifting around, but Canada's is a great pickup for them. They were not done again as Eduardo Escobar also signed to a two year, twenty million dollar deal. And Escobar gives the Mets all three infield positions he can play, and he's logged a hundred plus innings each at first base, second base, and third base last year. Also played shortstop for an extended run in his career. He's been above average hitter by measure WRC Plus in each of the last three full seasons. And he turned in more of power, uh, power hitter late into his career. As he hit just 27 home runs over his first 1,620 plate appearances. But he hit 21 homers in 499 trips to the dish last season. And he's knocked between 23 and 35 in an above average ISO over the last three full campaigns here. Kind of excited about Eduardo Escobar.
2: Yeah. And the most important thing for him is he's actually going to have playing time on the Mets. You know, they're going to find a way to put him in, you know, wherever they can. You nailed it right on the head. He's completely sold out for home runs at this point. So last year, Escobar increased his launch angle and he had a career high 8.9 barrel percentage. Now, once he landed in uh, Milwaukee, his first 30 games, he bad 293. He looked great. And then he had a three for 30 skid. So he is up and down, but I think he has a good floor for 20, 25 home runs.
1: Yeah. Another great piece, and then they capped off the day with arguably the biggest deal in terms of position players, and that's agreeing with outfielder Starling Marte on a four-year, seventy-eight million dollar deal pending a physical. A 2016 All-Star and two-time Gold Glove Award winner, he's perhaps coming off the best season of his career. Uh, and last year, he split time with the Marlins and the A's during that season—a three ten, three eighty three, four fifty eight line with twelve homers and an MLB MLB best. 47 stolen bases in just 120 games, which over 162 games, that's over 60 stolen bases. I I mean, I don't know about the deal potentially down the road, but right now, I mean, yeah, that fantasy value got to be up for them.
2: Yeah, so Marquez is going to look great for next year. You know, I like where he's at specifically because of his surrounding cast. Now he has Pete Alonso. He has Francisco Lindor. He has a team that's committed to winning. And even though the one thing I am going to be concerned with, though, is his uh, stolen bases. So last year, he did have a career-low um, sprint speed. Obviously, it didn't really affect him too much, 47 steals. But um, number one, his body is declining. And number two, the Mets have never shown a propensity to steal. They were bottom five in steals last year. And so they're going to have to make a philosophy change for him to get the um, you know the most out of it.
1: Yeah, agreed. And again, a lot of moves with the Mets, but we're going to move to another team now. We're going to talk about the Detroit Tigers, who started off free agency big with uh, – they signed a couple guys here, but I'll go to the one they signed to just today, and that's Javier Baez, who signed a six-year $140 million deal. Detroit shortstops and Marty Tallman, for those that don't know, is a big Detroit fan. Detroit shortstops were quite nearly the worst in Major League Baseball from an offensive standpoint last year. They hit a combined 201, 275, 321 slash, and the result was a 62 WRC, plus, which is 38% worse than Major League Average and the second lowest mark in the sport. Only the Pirates had a worst one. 2020 campaign was a season to forget for Baez, and he had a roller coaster 2021. Obviously, a guy that the free swinger does not walk a lot. Marty, how do you feel about this move for your Detroit Tigers?
2: Yeah. So I think for the first year or two, it's going to be a good deal for the Tigers, but they're going to... That contract is way too big. It's way too long. And for the profile for Javi Baez, it's not going to age well. He completely relies on his athleticism. Um, and I mean, he's a freak athlete. I mean, he hit 31 home runs last year. He had 18 steals. He's even won a Golden Glove. So you know he brings a lot of different things to the table, but he also led Major League Baseball with 184 strikeouts. Um, uh, so anytime you pay a guy that much money who has absolutely no plate discipline, it makes me, you know, a little afraid. His fantasy value overall is down based on the new park. Um, his surrounding casts, which are two big, um, downgrades from what he had from the Mets and a little bit from the original Cubs team. And, um, so that's going to affect his counting stats, but I do like his steals. So AJ Hinch has revolutionized, um, you know, how the Tigers look at this thing. They were top 10 steals for the first time in the last 10 years. They're going to be running a lot more, so I expect the steals to stay there.
0: Wait, I thought leading the league in a category was good. You're telling me strikeouts aren't good? Not this time, no. No, yeah. (laughs)
2: Okay.
1: okay. Your Tigers were not done, Marty. They also agreed earlier on in the offseason. They agreed to a deal with Eduardo Rodriguez coming over from the Red Sox on a five-year, $77 million deal. And he's coming off a down season. But you see that there's a, his fantasy value appears to be up with the Tigers.
2: Very up. This is actually one I really like. So although Erod did have a career-high 4.74 ERA, his underlying numbers were a career best. 3.55 X ERA, 3.32 FIP, and a 3.43 whip, uh, FIP. So everything looked good there. And when you take a look at his StatCast data, Rodriguez does a great job in limiting hard contact. And on the sneak, he had a his career-high 27.4 strikeout percentage. So everything's on the up.
1: I love it. Talk about his old team now. Talk about the Red Sox. They made a couple deals of their own. They signed Michael Walker to a one-year contract, according to Jeff Passon of ESPN. He spent the 2021 season with the division rival Rays, working primarily as a starter, and tossed 124 and two-thirds innings across 29 appearances. Despite a league-average 22.9 strikeout rate and a solid 5.9 walk percentage, he had trouble keeping runs off the board as he pitched to a 505 ERA, largely counted by 23 home runs. So yeah it's not a very exciting but we think his value, value is about the same this year. For Michael Waka. Michael Waka Waka.
0: Yeah I mean it's 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 the same for me like it's it's someone that isn't going to give you good ratios I think we've probably seen the best days behind him maybe a new change of scenery does work well but this is somebody that you mentioned has a 5 VRA last year it was in the 6s the year before that I think the best days of him being on the Cardinals are long behind, but maybe somebody that they convert to a long reliever later in the season and then maybe gives you a little bit better ratios as he's not seeing the lineup multiple times.
1: Yeah, a little sexier name that they did and they just signed today is free agent starter James Paxson, who pending a physical is going to agree to a one-year $10 million guarantee and also contains a club option that covers the 23-24 season. If, they pick, if Boston picks up that option, The deal could be up as much as $35 million, which is crazy to think they would pick that option up unless he wins a Cy Young. But we think his fantasy value is up with uh, with the Boston Red Sox.
2: Yeah, and the the main reason for that is there's a team that's going to give him an opportunity to start. Right, so the the Red Sox have bought into his. You know, he's he's still going through rehab for Tommy John, so he's unexpected to come back until you know around the All Star break. You know, barring no setbacks, um, but before he joined the Yankees, you know, those two last two years with the Mariners, you know, he was thirty eight and seventeen, a three point five four ERA, three point two six FIP. He was striking out eleven point one per nine, and when you actually look at that, it's very comparable to Eduardo Rodriguez. During 17, 2017 to 19, Eduardo Riggis went 38 and 18 and he had a 3.92 ERA and a 3.84 fit. So it's very comparable. Now, the biggest thing with the big maple, and let's just say that's one of the best oh, nicknames in that. baseball. Um, it's health. Will he stay healthy? You know, it's a, it's a tough gamble, but if he does great, then we'll expect and see him next year.
1: Yeah. And yeah, you're right. But big maple. And yeah, it's a, one of those. It's like Corey Kluber got one of these one year prove it deals. And you're basically paying the double-digit salary as far as the uh, the track record for these guys. But I'll tell you who's getting more than just double digits. That's Robbie Ray, who's getting triple digits with the Seattle Mariners as he came to an agreement. The Cy Young winner, Award winner to a five-year, $115 million deal with an opt-out after the third season. And it is a full no-trade clause in the first two seasons right now. Ray obviously was the near-unanimous named AL Cy Young, 29 of 30 first-place votes. And he restored his command to prior levels, but it took it to new heights. He walked a career low, 6.7% of his opponents. And he ramped up usage of his four-seamer at the expense of his curveball, largely favoring a two-pitch mix this year. And seemed to attack basically more the middle of the zone because his pitches would basically carry then to the outside parts of the plate. And he was using his stuff rather than trying to locate. Seemed to be a big part in his game. Ray's overall strikeout percentage of 32.1% trailed only Corbin Burns, Carlos Rodon, Max Scherzer, Freddie Peralta, and Garrett Cole this year. So fantasy value looks down, though, with the Seattle Mariners.
0: So I'm going to take this time to plug a Robbie Ray video I did about a week and a half ago before he hit free agency. So Kudos to Robbie Ray for having a Cy Young year and a contract here and securing the bag. But I look, in 2020 is an anomaly in a sense of, hit the lowest ERA of his career, 2.84. is about a career four ERA. had the lowest whip of his career. David, you had mentioned his low walk rate. His whip was 1.04, and it's 1.32 for his career. So you have to worry if that was just kind of, a, like I said, an anomaly. Uh, he had an increased velocity on his fastball and slider in 2021, um, up from 2020. But you worry, once again, if that velocity goes down, what's going to happen to his pitches. Uh, in 2020, he had an over-5 ERA. And he is very heavy, relying on the fastball-slider combination. I'd like to see him use a third pitch a little bit more. He, he incorporated a cutter. he threw about five times in 2021. Maybe he does that a little bit more. But the main reason is he's not going to have the run support that he did in Toronto. He's still pitching in the AL, so he has to face a DH. But the Mariners haven't made the playoffs since 2001. They typically don't have good offensive teams. You know, going back to King Felix winning the Cy Young with 13 wins. So that's a big part in points leagues. It's a big part in roto leagues. And I I just don't think Robbie Ray is going to give you the wins you're looking for.
3: All right,
1: well, let's talk about his old team as well, who are busy themselves. They signed Emi Garcia to a two-year contract worth $11 million. He was a hot name with the Marlins and then was dealt over the deadline and posted a 5-4-8 ERA over 21 in the third innings with the Astros. While his strikeout and walk rates improved following the trade, he had bad luck in terms of a 42.6% strand rate. So with the Blue Jays, fantasy value is up, we're thinking.
0: Yeah, well, one of the things I like about Yimmy Garcia is he's going to have the opportunity to close. And with Toronto, it's kind of like a carousel last year. We thought Kirby Yates was going to begin the season. Then Julian Merriweather got the first two. Then it's Jordan Romano. I mean, they paid him $11 million. I don't think they're going to have him do that in a setup role. Um, You know, maybe if he uh, starts to flutter out at the beginning of the year. But he's also going to have save opportunities. Toronto has probably one of the best offenses. And uh, that's what you're looking for. It's just the opportunities that comes with closers.
1: All right, and then we're going to stay with the Blue Jays because they made another big, this one was a bigger move. Kez, Kevin Gossman, the ace that the Toronto Blue Jays were chasing, they gave him a five-year, $110 million deal. And Gossman not only bounced back from his tough 2019 numbers, but he had a new plateau of success with the, uh, the Giants last year. Posted a three ra a three three eight Sierra over his two hundred and fifty one and two thirds innings as a Giant with an excellent thirty percent K rate and a uh, to solidify with a above average six and a half percent walk rate and we have his fantasy values down which makes sense if you're talking about going from the Giants to the Blue Jays in the AL East with all the ballparks
0: that are there. Maybe we talk about the ballparks itself? But I I look at his first and second half splits, and that's what's really alarming to me. So the first half, he threw 114.2 innings pitched in a 173 ERA, and batters were hitting 159 against him. The second half, he threw 77.1 innings, so about two-thirds of what he did prior. And he had a 4.42 ERA with batters hitting a 276 average against him. Now what's interesting is we usually see a flip with Kevin Gosman where he has a really slow first half and he has a good second half as he incorporates this splitter more. Obviously, he's playing in the AL. He has to face the Yankees offense, the Red Sox, the Rays. He has to go to Camden Yards, which is a hitter-friendly park. I'm kind of thinking we're going to get the Kevin Gosman a little bit more than we saw with the Orioles. Not saying he's going to have you know, a, a 5 ERA then, but I don't think he's going to be the pitcher we saw that he was with the Giants.
1: Well, we're going to pause there as that's going to be the end of part one of this free agent frenzy. A lot of these videos are going to be coming on the stream as, again, tons and tons and tons of moves have been made. So if you enjoy these videos, please make sure you leave a like. Make sure you leave a comment below. You can leave an eggplant emoji. You can leave a thumbs-up emoji. You can leave whatever you want. I don't care. As long as you support the channel, appreciate you guys tuning in, and make sure you stay on the lookout for Free Agents, Free Agent Frenzy Part 2.
0: And make sure you join our Discord also. We're always talking stuff.
1: Make sure to join the Discord. See you guys. Welcome back again to the Triple Play Fantasy YouTube channel. I'm wearing the same clothes. What's this? I don't know. We're recording two videos doing the same thing, but you get a whole another set of crop of free agents as we are going to pick up right off where we left off, if I can speak English, in part one. And we're going now to part two and talking about more free agents as the baseball world did not stop. And we're going to start off with a polarizing name in this video. And that is Mr. Justin Verlander, as the Astros have kicked off the free agency, their free agency with a bold strike, agreeing to re sign ace Justin Verlander to a two year $50 million guarantee that contains an even $25 million over the next two seasons and allows Verlander to opt out after 2022. He's only made one appearance over the last two years because of an elbow injury that required September 2020 Tommy John surgery. But when we saw him at full strength, the 2011 AL MVP was as good as ever as he tossed 223 innings of a 2.58 ERA ball in 2019 and won a second career Cy Young Award, helping Houston to the pennant. So we think his fantasy value is up.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I think Verlander's fantasy value is up. I think that uh, when you look at he threw for a bunch of teams and he got multiple offers, I think that's a good sign for for how how he was throwing and how he looked. And I think you just got to rely on that horse. Right now he's going as the 141st pitcher off the board an NFBC 141st player off the board. Sorry. An NFBC dress. That's a ninth round pick. Uh, I think that that, that could return massive return value on your draft value, uh, draft pick. Uh, cause he's going to be going behind a lot of pitchers who, who, whose peak, whose, whose high end is not even close to Verlander's high end. And I think that at that point, you have to take that risk. You have to take that draft pick. And I think that he's, uh, you know, the fact that he came out throwing 97, getting multiple interest from teams is a good sign for how good he's throwing right now. Agreed. And they also wanted to up
1: that bullpen. So they added reliever Hector Neris, as They agreed to a two-year deal. They'll pay out $17 million over the course of the two seasons. He'd been reported in high demand. And he was the back end of that Philadelphia bullpen that has been known to lead the league in blown saves. He knocked 12 saves, 11 holds. And also had seven blown saves across seventy four and a third innings in seventy four games last year. Had a three six three ERA and four zero eight FIP and a thirty one point six percent strikeout rate, less than ideal ten percent walk rate. But cheesecake, you are intrigued by this.
3: I am very intrigued by this. I think that uh, Narris is going to be a, a a solid seventh or eighth inning pitcher for them. Houston's really put together a nice bullpen full of strikeout arms. Neris, I mean, when he stopped being a closer, he actually was very effective for Philadelphia down the stretch run. But now, one of the things now this this relates back to Verlander. If you start to look at that at that Astros bullpen, and if you start to look at the other Astros starting pitchers, they have Ryan Presley, Ryan Stanek, Hector Neris, Phil Maton. They have Rafael Montero, Christian Javier, perhaps Pedro Baez. All of these are plus strikeout pitchers sitting in their pen. You know, you, if, you, if you're if you looking at their starters, this pen is going to help protect a lot of leads for them.
1: Yeah, and they needed to shore, make sure that bullpen was shored up. Obviously, they have great starting pitching. They've got some good hitters on that team. That was kind of a weakness towards the end of the season for that bullpen. But you came to part two. There's one team we have not talked about yet that we're going to get to right now, and that's the Texas Rangers. The Rangers made some moves. And we're going to start off the first one here with John Gray, who... John Gray is reported to have signed a deal with the Rangers for four years, fifty-six million dollars, and the deal for the career four-five-four four ERA pitcher in home games, as he had been obviously some rough outings over his career with at Coors, but Gray also has a four-six-five ERA on the road in his career, and several hitters have talked about how Denver's thin air impacts obviously how they pitch, the adjustments they have to make over a full season. So I'm very intrigued with him with the Texas Rangers. And it seems like you guys are too.
2: Yeah. So with Gray, so I actually, I mean, anytime you're leaving Coors Field, right, it's going to be a huge plus. So you don't need an expert, you know, analysis for that. But so that's really going to help him. But most importantly, you know, getting out of that thin air is it's going to allow him to really focus in on his fastball and his slider and get them on the same uh, plane. Because every you're constantly when you when you pitch in Coors, your pitches act completely different. And so what you're doing your entire career, if you stay there, you are constantly adjusting your pitches once you leave and once you come back. And so I think for anyone, you know, it's just going to be a lot easier. You know, he's going to be in Texas. As of right now, it is a pitcher, uh, pitcher-friendly pitcher park. Um, you know, as far as home runs go, it's, it's pitcher-friendly. And runs, it's very, very pitcher-friendly. So you're right about his 4.65 ERA on the road. But I think have his plus fastball and plus slider, once he's in a normal environment over a full year, I think we're really going to see it. And I've always loved Gray's k upside, So fantasy value, definitely up for me.
0: Also, yeah. he's a nice guy. I talked with him in person a couple of years ago. So if you like drafting nice guys, feel-good stories taken.
1: There you go. Well, the, obviously the Rangers had some more moves in their back pocket. One of them being Marcus Semyon on a seven-year, $175 million contract. Seven-year contract represents quite a turn of events for Semyon, who struggled. For the first six weeks of the shortened 2020 season, and obviously he had to bet on himself on a one-year deal with the Jays, and boy, did he cash in. Third place finish in AL MVP voting, hit 265, 334, 538 slash, with 45 home runs during his spectacular year, and he appeared in all 162 games with 724 plate appearances, silver slugger honors, won a gold glove as his first year as a second baseman since 2014, just absolutely crushed it last year, and. Really set the fantasy baseball well on fire, but we are down on him going to the Texas Rangers.
2: Yeah, and so it's piggybacking off what you just said, David. I mean, yeah, career high 45 home runs, career high 102 RBIs, career high 15 steals, you know, and, and he got, he increased, uh, he did increase his hard hit percentage to an all time high, but It's going to Texas, man. It's such a huge uh, drop-off from where he was in Toronto, especially with his surrounding cast. So obviously, Simeon, he took advantage of the predominantly hitter-friendly AL East. Now he's in in Texas, so that's going to be a lot harder for him. Um, So yeah, overall, his uh, rank is down, but he's still my fourth-ranked shortstop overall. So all is not lost.
1: Yeah, but joining him in that middle infield is a fellow shortstop named Corey Seager, who signed a massive... 10-year, $325 million contract guaranteed. He's going to receive a $5 million signing bonus and limited no-trade protection. Does not have to contain any opt-out clauses. This actually $325 million guarantee will match Giancarlo Stanton for the sixth highest sum in MLB history. And so, uh, yeah, it's obviously, Corey Seager's been an above-average bat in every season of his career, and he's been far better than most at the plate for the bulk of that time. By measures of WRC+, plus. he's been at least 27 percentage points higher Than league average in four of his five seasons with 200 or more plate appearances. And over the last two years combined, he's slashed 306, 381, and a 545 slash over 641 plate appearances. Goes to now Texas. And again, we are down on these two Texas guys.
0: Yeah, so kind of similar reasons that Marty said. Obviously, the, the ballpark itself. I'm also looking at the protection. I mean, he was hitting number two behind Mookie, arguably one of the best leadoff hitters. Max Muncy, you know, Cody Bellinger when he's on, Chris Taylor behind him. Uh, And you look at his counting stats, those are obviously going to go down. I mean, he's a 300-ish career um, batting average guy. He's only hit over 20 home runs twice, so I would say expect in the high teens for him. He's never had more than 87 RBIs in a season, so I'd say 70 to 80 is what you're looking for. You worry about durability also. He's played... In the five full seasons, or at least 162 game seasons, he's played only 100 plus three out of the five. Now, that's 100 out of 162 isn't a lot. And you figure it's a 10-year deal, no trade clause. Let's say he's injured or they're out of contention. They're not going to rush him back. He's their long-term plan. So I'd be a little bit wary of Corey Seager.
1: All right, well, kind of put a damper on that parade. Maybe this guy can bring us back in positive spirits. The Twins and outfielder Byron Buxton agreed to a 7-year contract extension worth 100 million. Now I think some interesting things are the breakdown of this contract. He's going to get a 1 million dollar signing bonus and a 9 million dollar salary for next year. He's going to earn 15 million every season until 2028. Extra 500,000 incentives are available through plate appearances as he can reach 502, 533, 567, 600 so on and some major unprecedented bonus money is available if he finishes certain places in MVP voting. So a lot of incentives in this contract. But we know when Buxton's healthy, you see what he does on the field. Season high 140 games in 2017. His next highest totals were 92 in 2016 and 87 in 2019. But this man is obviously can hit 30 home runs, potentially steal 20 to 30 bases if he's healthy for a full season. Dynamic bat. How do we feel about Byron Buxton?
2: Yeah, so I mean, he's staying on the Twins. So his overall, his value is going to stay the same. Um, in just 61 games last year, Buxton hit 19 home runs and he stole nine bases. So, you know, if he has just the ability, they stay to play 130 games, you're going to get out of them, you know, whatever you put into as far as a draft pick. Uh, again, going back to it, he's a freak athlete. I mean, his sprint speed is in the 99th percentile. His max exit velocity is in the 96th percentile. So you know, pop, pop speed does it all, but can he stay healthy? Over, I think the contract is, uh, it's too much to invest in someone who, who cannot. And he plays so volatile, um, that mm-hmm. he's going to have to, he's going to have to turn it down. But, um, yeah, the fantasy values stay the same.
1: He could always pull up Bryce Harper. That was Bryce Harper's problem for a certain time. And now he's been healthier over recent seasons. Uh, but let's talk about the Giants and we're going to talk about three pitchers that they added to their team to basically make sure that they're set in that area. They finalized an agreement with Alex Cobb. Who, after spending the 2021 campaign with the Angels, they acquired, after they acquired him from the Orioles last summer, and uh yeah, Cobb struggled with injuries and underperforming during his time in Baltimore, but looked a little bit better last year with the Angels as he tossed 93 and a third innings of a 3.76 ERA ball in 18 starts, and he guaranteed more whiffs than he ever had before with an 11.2 percent swinging strike rate and 24.9 percent strikeout percentage, both best career marks obviously using that splitter a little bit more, which seemed to kind of resurrect his career there. Alex Wood, Giants also added, as they agreed on a two-year deal worth more than $10 million annually, and Wood signed with San Francisco for a $3 million guarantee last season, and he made good on the small investment as he had a three eighty-three ERA, over 138 and two-thirds innings and 26 starts. And then they were not done as they also added Anthony Disclefani to a three-year $36 million contract, Despite averaging north of ninety-four miles an hour on his fastball, this Kofani does have less than spectacular swing strike numbers, as an eleven percent swinging strike rate and twenty-two point five percent strikeout rate show you. They are a little bit underwhelming, uh, and he's not an overpowering hitter, but he does seem like he can get the ball on the ground and has plus control. So let's start with talk about all three of these pitchers here. Going back up the top with yeah, Mister
3: Alex Cobb. Cheesecake, how you feel about him? I, I mean, I think you have to look at these as as like a whole, these three pitchers as a whole, as as start of, sort of the Giants trying to replace Kevin Gaussman, who they lost to, to, to Toronto, and we talked about in the first video. Um, right now, if you look at what these three pitchers threw last season, they threw 400 innings almost exactly on the nose. And I think the Giants really would be hoping to get about 400 innings. If you look at their steamer projections – they're projected for nearly five hundred innings. I think that's that's far too many. But if we're gonna talk about Alex Wood, I think his twenty-six starts last year, that was a uh that was a high for him since twenty eighteen. Cobb also had a high for himself since twenty eighteen as well. These two guys, you know, sort of have a have an interesting parallel that they both had big innings seasons in twenty seven and twenty twenty seventeen and twenty eighteen, and they've had a tough time uh, staying healthy in 2019 and 2020, 21 was sort of a healthy comeback for them. But Cobb still only threw 93 innings. Alex Wood still only threw 138 innings. So I think you know, draft these guys. Expect pretty decent ratios. Um, I think that the one, if you're going to want to actually invest high in someone, I think Tony Descofani is the one. So I think he's the one who's actually gonna who's actually. Tony He's yeah. going to be throwing enough innings, <laughs> you know. I think he's going to want the one who's going to carry the most innings out of the three. And his eleven percent swinging strike rate only produced a twenty-two and a half percent K K rate. I think there's some there's some helium that could be there on that uh, K rate.
0: I just Let's want to away. say I'm against it. Therefore, it I'm against Tony Disco.
1: There you go. Let's go away from the Giants. Let's talk about the Rays, who they signed Corey Kluber to a one year deal worth about $8 million, plus incentives, which would make it up to $13 million. The Rays just seem to like these one-year deals worth X amount of money with these kind of veterans, and uh, I really like it. So I like that we agree that the fantasy value seems to be up for Corey Kluber.
0: Yeah, so it's interesting. for uh, the five-year stretch from 2014 to 2018, Corey Kluber threw five, or 200 innings plus in each season, totaling to 1091 Now, just in comparison, Robbie Ray has thrown about 60 more for his career, so really a workhorse then. But the following innings since then, he's had 35, 1, and 80. So I think what the Rays are going to do well is they're going to manage his innings. Steamer hasn't projected for 148 innings. I mean, he was good last year, 383 ERA through a no-hitter. The Rays seem to do well with these veterans. We look at uh, Charlie Morton from a couple of years ago, really had a resurgence. So he might not get you as many wins because I don't think they push him, but I think his ratios are going to be better.
1: Yeah, I like it. Uh, it's definitely going to be somebody I'm going to try to draft a lot this year. Let's go to some more moves here. Some of these are not quite as sexy, but the Cubs are in agreement with free agent corner outfielder Clint Frazier, going to make only a base salary of $1.5 million and $1 million potential incentives. Not long ago, he was the headliner for Andrew Miller in the Cleveland Yankees trade. And he just never fully realized his potential in the Bronx. And uh, it was just underwhelming lines. If you look, Frazier, uh, during the 2020 season, had a 15.6% 15 15. Uh, walk rate, eight home runs, 267, 394, 511 slash line. Kind of looked like he was emerging, but then 218 appearances last year at under 200, just five home runs, near 30% strikeout rate. But he's going to the Cubs, where he's expected to get a lot of playing time.
2: Yeah, and that's why his fantasy values up, you know. And, and I'm happy for for Little Cheesecake to have Clint Frazier on his team, <laughs> just in case he doesn't hate his team enough. But but no, so the Cubs are obviously they're rebuilding, right? So they're not going anywhere, and they're just looking for any anybody that can kind of just get out there and not do too bad. And so his fantasy value up is up because number one, he's on a major league team, and number two, it looks like he might even have a chance to start, mm-hmm. which is pretty crazy. Um, Frazier is still 27. He was the fifth overall pick in 2013. He was one of the top prospects in baseball for a super long time. But he's just really struggled to stay healthy. And I think we're all just kind of just waiting on that, um, you know, that the, the 69 games where he hit 12 home runs and he, sl- he batted 267 for the Yankees. But, um, yeah, it's a late, late round flyer, probably your last pick of your draft. Why not give it a shout-out, Clint Frazier pick? I like it.
1: And uh, let's talk about the Marlins because they don't get enough love. They signed Avisio Garcia to a four-year contract worth up to $53 million. In fact, they get a lot of playing time there. This is actually the largest contract the Marlins have handed out under the new owners Bruce Sherman and Derek Jeter. So uh very interesting move by the Marlins. And we're not a fan. Maybe the ballpark?
2: Um, yeah, the ballpark. Well, number one, I I, I might have to rethink about it because Peter Pratt, our boy, he said he absolutely loves this this deal. Mm-hmm. So. You know who knows, but no, it's mostly because so I just saw Garcia, he had a he had his best year of his career last year, 29 home runs, uh, career high in RBIs and runs. But going to Miami, the the ballpark is a huge downgrade. The team itself is a huge downgrade. I mean, he was in Milwaukee with that offense. You know, they're doing really well. Um, mm-hmm. But where I, what I am seeing and um, that I am liking for him is that the Marlins were fourth in steals last year. So they do have a philosophy of they do like to steal bases. Now some of that is having Starling Marte on their team, and he stole every base you could. But I do like that for him. So I think 15 home runs, you know, ten, you know, ten um, steals. That's what you should expect from him.
1: Yeah, and I'm very excited for him getting a lot of playing time there and what he could produce next year. We're going to wrap up this episode with the Angels and the three moves they made. The biggest move being Noah Syndergaard agreeing to a one-year contract worth up to $21 million. And uh, Syndergaard has scarcely pitched since the 2019 season thanks to 2020 Tommy John surgery. He's taken the mound for two innings of bullpen work late last year as all he pretty much has over the last few seasons. Michael Lorenzen agreed to a one year deal worth about $7 million. He's interesting because he's obviously trying to start, which the Angels need starters. But with Shohei Otani on that team, mixes and matches of these two two way players could be very interesting. And the Angels lastly kept their closer in the fold as they signed Rossiel Iglesias to a four year, $58 million deal. And uh, if you believe it or not, obviously the top free agent reliever on the market left that was left on the market. And that was reflected with this four year guarantee. He's only behind Liam Hendricks and Drew Pomeranz as the only other pitchers to have four-year packs in each of the last two off-seasons. So not a big deal for relievers usually there. But when he's been with the Angels and just overall since he's been moved to the bullpen, just been an absolute beast. Last year, 70 innings of two fifty-seven ERA ball, 34-39 saves. Let's quickly run through these Angels guys. Cheesecake, what are your thoughts?
3: Well, I think Syndergaard is the kind of guy who's going to either be a fantastic value for you or you're going to be dropping him because he's going to be injured right now. He's currently going off, going off as the 194th player off the board in 15 team NFBC leagues. That is a phenomenal price for a guy who got, who is a 200 strikeout pitcher guy through 197 innings pitches, uh, innings pitched just, just two seasons ago. But then you have to counter in the fact that he hasn't pitched. He's pitched two innings in the last two seasons. Uh You also have to watch out that, um, his barrels and hard hit percentage were up in 2019, but I think for his price and the ceiling that he give you, he's a he's a fantastic value. Lorenzen's cool, yeah. He the Angels said they wanted him to to they're going to let him try to be a two way player, which is an interesting thing. Uh, he only pitched 29 innings last year though, um, so I'm not 100 sold on him as a starter for them. But uh, it's interesting to see if he becomes a two way player. He does have a good bat.
1: He's got big arms, too. Look at that picture. <laughs> yeah. I did not know he did that. And then Iglesias, we like his value more than last season, too. I mean, that's a good closer, obviously, staying with the Angels.
2: Well, that's the biggest thing. I mean, he has a four-year deal. Like He's going to be their closer for the foreseeable future. I don't even care if a closer is good, necessarily, as long as they have some uh, job security. That's like the number one thing I'm looking for at this point, and he's actually good on top of it. So, um, yeah, I like it.
1: In the day and age of closers by committee, seeing something like that, very reassuring. He's take mm-hmm. to the top of your drafts. You know he's going to have that job locked up, barring anything crazy. But everybody that's tuning in, thank you so much for checking out another video on the channel. Make sure you give that video a like. Make sure you comment something funny down below, making fun of Eric. And uh, that'll be the best way for us to see it. <laughs> and give us ideas for future things you want to see. We'll have another MLB free agency video coming out, wrapping up even more moves as we have to make sure we get stuff of that out there so you guys can make sure you know how to draft. Come when your fantasy drafts roll around. Uh, Could be now. Could be in a couple months. But this information is going to be good for you to use when trying to draft and win your leagues. But thank you guys again for checking this one out. And until the next one, we'll see you